Well, good morning again. We are headed towards the conclusion of our walk through Hebrews this summer. That is, it's flown by, hadn't it? June, July, August, now September. Didn't think we'd ever get here. But here we are, right? We're real close. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. I'll let you get your device out, let you... uh, Look it up in your hard copy there, whatever it is, or you can look at it, hopefully, up on the screen. So here we go. Therefore, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, He endured the cross. Let me say something right here. I'm not, it's not even in my notes. Does that just strike you? With the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Here's the great thing about not just being a look-at-er, but being a see-through-er. If you just look at the cross, you see the pain. If you just look at the cross, you see what's about to happen to you. But if you look through the cross, you see that I'm about to set people free. That's different, right? When you're a see-through and not just a look-at-er, it changes things. And I just feel like I need to say that right now. For some of you right now, you're just looking at it. You're paralyzed. Right now, you're paralyzed because you're looking at it. You're trying to figure out a way to go around it. And God wants to take you through it. Because on the other side of that, there's freedom. That's not in my sermon. So there you go. That's just extra, right? Just extra. Scorning its shame. Now, we could preach a whole message on shame and condemnation, right? Scorning its shame. Shame shame doesn't belong here. That's from the enemy. He scorned the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne. We've talked about that. You have to go back and listen to the whole series, but we, we know what that, hopefully know what that means. Consider who, him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Therefore, And again, we've said it over and over. What's it there for? That's, it's the old pastor thing, right? When you see therefore, you've got to ask the question, what's it there for? What it means is <clears throat> for this reason. In other words, it means look back at what was just said. If whatever was just said previously, sometimes it's more than a few words, sometimes it's a chapter, sometimes it's more than a chapter, but whatever was just said, the writer is going, I said all of that, so you'll understand what I'm about to ask you. For this reason, I'm about to tell you this. If you're here last week, you're, and, and if you were not, you probably know that chapter 11 is, leads you right into chapter 12. Kind of makes common sense, right? <laughs> you go, oh, that makes sense. Well, then what's in chapter 11? Well, it's the Hall of Fame of Faith, right? It's called that. It's, just, it's all these people talking about what it means to live out the faith and to persevere 
So therefore, we, I told you all about the greats who came along, all the ones that went before us, they endured. Some of them never saw the promise, they died. They understood that they were aliens on this earth. This was not their home. They understood, they knew there was a promise, a better place someday, they knew that. But then there's this next part. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now the word cloud here kind of signifies us, the, the, kind of the unity of the group. It's big, but it's a massive, and the, the scripture here talks about, the, the, the little translation, it's, it's this multitude or mass of this dense crowd. There's just so many packed in there. Have you ever been to one of those events where, where it's just, you feel like you can't hardly move, you're just packed in there? It's this great company of unity, of people, of one mind. But when the word witness there, it's, it's not just there as witnesses to what you're doing. So often we might think of it as then, you know, a witness is someone who saw an event happen and they talked about it. That's not what that means. In this sense, they're not just watching you run the race. They are witnesses to the race that can be run. What they are saying is we're in the stands and we made it. We're in the stands cheering you on because it can work. We're in the stands just giving you, just encouraging you. Why? Because we know it can happen. Not just witnessing to see if you'll finish. I just want to watch the race to see if they win. I want to watch the race. I want to be a witness to this race. I want to be a witness to this ball game. I want to be a witness to this. No, they are witnesses that they have done it. And they are here today to say to you, keep going, persevere, don't give up. Don't, don't, you know, many times we talk about it, don't give up, get up. Yeah, you tripped coming around that corner, get up. And what I love about this passage of scripture, and I've done this for years, and I don't know why, because I think probably I've heard illustrations before, that often, because scripture, and Paul especially, he uses military and he uses athletics a lot. You'll see it throughout scripture. But what I would think of this as a track, being on a track, and you're running the race, right? We have that shot up there, but, but a track and a, and a, there it is, and that's a dense crowd, right? That's pretty packed for a track. I think it's at Drake. I didn't know Drake was in a track like that, but apparently they are, okay? Oh, there it is, says Drake. I, that, that, was the give, that was the giveaway, right? I can't even describe a stadium that would describe what that scripture means to us. how packed it is, how loud they are. And you mean Moses and Samson and Rahab and Jephthah? I don't know how Jephthah got in there. What I love about that Hebrews 11, it shows all these flawed, broken people who kept going. But what I'd never really thought about, I'd never really thought about them being in the stands. 
I just thought, you know, people, angels, somebody's died before me, they're in the stands cheering me on. Well, I, I have never imagined that my mom and dad are standing next to Moses and to brother Paul and Alex, my nephew and my grandparents, and they're all up in the stands cheering me on. How would that change the way you walk this out? If you, and the word means encompassing, means they've surrounded us. They're so tight against us. They're so for you. Don't give up. Oh, I see what's happening. Don't give up. I understand what happened there. And matter of fact, he said the race marked out for us. Some die young. Some run a marathon. But whatever it is, run it with perseverance. The race is marked out for you. And quit worrying about what race is marked out for somebody else. And I wrestle with that sometimes. Comparison is between comparison is a stealer of joy. He goes on to say, let us throw off everything that hinders. See, sometimes the most painful reality of running a race, a spiritual race, if you will, that's marked out for us, we have to leave behind things that were of great value to us. The everything that hinders here, I love the fact that the writer says, well, the way it's translated is and, and everything that hinders, meaning it may not be a sin. It may be amoral. It may not be anything bad. Nobody in the world's gonna tell you, that's bad, dude, you need to get away from that. They're not gonna say that. But it's hindering you. We've already used that word this morning, Right? Don't you wish when God began to change us and, and, and help us run the race, don't you wish when the Holy Spirit came, he would let us keep our most sacred things and just torch the things we don't want? But he goes after the most sacred, doesn't he? Dog. Have you ever packed for a trip? And you're going on a trip, And the reality is, you pack a suitcase this size. When this one would have worked. How many of you have ever been on a trip where you didn't use half of what was in there? Come on now. Be honest. Have you ever packed a trip where you were going to Hawaii and forgot your swimsuit and somehow another packed a parka? Are you going to Chicago in January and you end up packing your swimming suit and didn't pack a coat? Somehow or another you missed the point of the trip, right? You just missed the point. Or you wasn't focused. Or you was distracted. Or you, didn't, you waited till the last minute to try to figure this out. 
So you just figure, I'm, I'm afraid I'm, I won't, won't leave something out, so I'm just packing the whole thing. Cost you $25. <laughs> didn't have to. It just didn't have to. T.D. Jakes says, the problem is not where you want to go. We almost all have a picture of a better future, a desired future for ourselves, our family, and our culture. That is not the problem. The problem is that we're not willing to let go of it in order to get there. We're not willing to let go. We did a leadership deal with a youth pastor and then executive pastor there at Crossroads. We, we developed, Josiah and so I developed this trip called Ethos, and, and, and it was the combination of, of uh, Survivor, Amazing Race, and Fear Factor in a Christian setting. Okay, that's what it was. And what you did was you stripped away, basically, they, they had a little bag, not much bigger than this. I don't have one of my Ethos bags here, but it's not much bigger than this. They had one of these for 10 days and their sleeping bag. Because they didn't know what activities we were going. We, we knew... We knew ahead of time, but they didn't know what time of the day they were going to get up. They might get up at 2.30 in the morning because we were headed to the next place. They didn't know from the time they got in the van, whatever day it was, till the 10 days back, what the schedule was at any point. They just trusted us. No cell phones, except when we allowed them to call their parents. The worst one for some of them was no boyfriend-girlfriend enhancement. I said, stay home. We don't need you. We just simply don't need you. They had to do interviews to go on it. They had to do, of all things, sermon notes for like three months in advance from the pastor's sermon and turn them in. But we had to eliminate distractions for what we were trying to accomplish. And for some of us, one of the hardest things for us to do is to let go of things, right? About to, mess, well, about to mess my thing up. I better not. I'll mess my mic up. This weighs about 16 pounds. Do you know that you can get real comfortable carrying 16 pounds that you don't need? If you're running a race, go back to the screen of the people running there. One of the things for sure is you might use this for training, but you wouldn't use it in the race. Okay, you're getting rid of clothes. Have you ever seen a track and field? Okay, not much clothing going on. Okay, not much. And some of it's pretty tight. Because of aerodynamics and because they're trying to lose, if you've ever picked up a track shoe, how, what the weight of it is, it's just, I'm just telling you, you're trying to get rid of all the run the race the way you're supposed to and the one that's marked out for you. You're getting rid of stuff. Because where you're going, that can't go. It, you say, well, Kurt, it's nice, it's fine. No, it just can't go where God's taking you. That's the problem. It can't go with you. You know, over the years, and I know we're called to minister to anyone, and I've said this over and over, I'll, I'll minister to anyone, but I choose my influencers very, very carefully. 
I don't have that many of them. Because if they influence me, they influence the way I am, as, not only as a pastor, but as a dad, as a husband, as a grandfather, they influence everything. So I have to be real careful what's influencing me. And now I'm 63 years old. The other thing that I've come to the conclusion, you've probably heard me say this before, I don't have, time, I don't have the, the stamina to carry people. Or the runway. I'm runway shorter. When I was 25, I could carry more people. I could put up longer. I don't have that anymore. I feel like I got a long runway. I'm not saying I don't have that. What I'm saying, though, is I don't have... One of the things that I tell my kids as they were growing up, and they know this, and we'd tell the youth, the kids and the youth, if you can't carry it, what? Don't pack it. Don't bring it. We need to be telling some people, people that you love, you need to be looking them in the eye going, if you're not going to let it down, don't, don't expect me to carry it. If you can't carry it, don't pack it. Don't let me carry it anymore. So some of these things that are hindering is that you've picked up stuff you shouldn't be carrying. And where God is taking you, see, I could carry this maybe right here to this step where God is now taking me in my journey. Of course, you know this. Those who know me, the, I love the, 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 the step ladder because it narrows as it goes up. But see, I'm not planning on carrying this up here. But you know what? Me and my hiking backpack, I got everything I need now where God's taking me, where he's, what elevation he's taking me to, where he's taking me. I've got that. I can do that. I don't need, I don't need that big suitcase, but I can't take it here. Because I've got to drop everything that hinders. And so, back to the next one. Then sin that so easily entangles. The word entangle there is the one that was encompassed. The same one we were talking about in the first verse. The word encompass there, sin can encompass us when we don't feel the encompass of the great cloud of witnesses. I talked to a friend of mine this week, a former lead pastor. And don't hear what I'm not saying here. But I ask him, He's been moved back to, he's a lead pastor for a long time in a very tough situation. He said, Kurt, I said, I, I said, how does it feel to not carry the weight as a lead pastor anymore and go back to being an associate pastor? He said, Kurt, I didn't know how much weight I was carrying. So I laid it down. Some of you are carrying stuff, baggage. It needs to get laid down that somehow or another you just accustomed yourself to carrying. It can be memories. I tell people all the time, you can carry the memories forward, just leave the memorabilia behind sometimes. What's draining you and using your capacity for what God's designed you to be and not adding anything to where you're headed? And the sin that so easily entangles, I love this, the, the Greek on this says, it's a serious hindrance that happens to someone who desperately needs to advance. 
This happens to someone, this sin happens to someone who desperately, desperately, I love the way it says it, desperately needs to advance, but they cannot because they're entangled. It's like ropes all around you. It said it's, it literally says it's, the, the sin is well planted. It's got roots. That's just a passing sin. It has roots, it's well planted. So it entangles your life. And, but here's the deal, right? It doesn't just entangle your life. You don't live life in a vacuum. You can convince yourself of that, but you don't. And if you're not willing to lay it down, I hope somebody in your life who loves you enough to look you in the eye and you're willing to listen to them to say, if you don't lay it down, I can't carry it with you. I'm not saying get a divorce. I'm not saying any of that kind of stuff. What I'm saying is I can't carry that anymore if you're not willing to carry it. I'll help you carry it so we can lay it down. If that's where we're headed. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. One of the reasons we teach Uncommon here and the the, the training that we do about finding the uniqueness, we believe we are a body of Christ. That is for sure, but there's uniqueness inside the body. Scripture is very clear. Corinthians is very clear. We all have different things. And the sooner a church is functioning best in its spiritual gifts and a lot of other things, but especially its spiritual gifts, the healthier the church is. And it's a lack of comparison too. You know, I want to be up there preaching. I want to be doing that. But somehow or another, I'm, I'm an intercessory prayer. Nobody ever even sees me. I think it's Eugene Peterson that says this in the message. He said, and I know it's going to hurt somebody. He asked the question, would you rather have a good digestive system or a full head of hair? And I know, Brandon, you're sitting there. But the unseen often is the most valuable that you can't live without. But I love what 1 Timothy 4, 12 through 15 If you're in youth ministry in the Church of Nazarene years ago, you knew this verse by heart. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity until until I come devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift. Do not neglect your gift. Do not neglect your gift. Which was given you through prophecy in the body of elders, and their hands had laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them, so that everyone may see your progress. You are supposed to be moving. You're supposed to be growing. The word "set" there, and I taught on this a couple years ago, but I, I love this visual. The word set means, is it set an example? It means becoming. You're becoming an example. You're not all that you're ever going to be until you see Jesus' face. You'll never be that, but you're becoming. But it's an imprint. What I love about this is, is it's an example. Literally what it means is, and, and in the Greek, what I love is it's, it's, it's a striking, it's like striking, 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 striking. You're repeatedly striking it because you're leaving an imprint. It's literally what it says. You're leaving a stamp on people. You're leaving things on people. Ajax won't take off. And some of you don't even know what Ajax is. I get it. 
but you're leaving a mark on them that they can't just walk away from. Because of your life and living it out and being an example, you're, every day you see them, I don't mean this in a bad way, I'm talking about it in a good way, you're the repetition of the blow. Boom, boom. You're leaving that stamp. So that everyone may see your progress. I'm skipping here down. The word procope there. It means to strike or advance forward. But not merely just moving ahead, but moving ahead against obstacles. You're burning a new trail. And you're cutting it out of the way as you go. You're making that new trail. That's what we're called to do, to advance, to move forward, to not, not let it hinder, to, to do the race that's marked out for us, to find out what those tools are, find out what those things are that God has called you to and your family to, and you as a couple, the race marked out for you. But it's gonna come with opposition. It's gonna come with obstacles. It's gonna come with those things. That's the reason God prepares us. God gives us the tools to advance. It's the reason I love the passage of Scripture here where, where he says, fixing our eyes, meaning fixing our eyes, fixing our eyes. You know what that means, but I tell you, in the world we live in today, that's hard to do. We are distracted. Oh, my goodness, are we distracted. I heard a guy years ago, Ken Davis, talking about going elk hunting. We have elk up there, but elk hunting, and he said, man, he was out there. He had all this, had everything, had all the right equipment, all the right things. He said, man, he has bow and arrow, and man, he, he, man, he said, I, I worked on it. I trained, and I staked it all out, and he said, I got out there, and he said, I, I pulled. Maybe it's a deer, but I got used elk. It's bigger. Okay. But he said he pulled back, and man, he's looking at the rack on that thing, and he's going, wow, wow, this is going to look awesome on my wall. This is going to be great. And he said he let go of the arrow, and he said I hit him right in the rack. Most of us don't want to admit it. Whatever has our attention, we usually hit that mark. Jesus says it. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Whatever you're aiming for, may not what you consciously think, but you're doing it. To drop off everything that hinders. And I love this, and I'm just going to remind you, for some of you who are not here, we open this, but fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Just to remind you from three months ago, I just want to, Jesus is not merely from God. Jesus is God. Jesus did not come into being. He just was. Why do we preach here at Renovation this radical optimism? Is there almost no ceiling on what God can do in a person's life? It's because in Colossians 1.13 says, for him and all things were created the things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. That's why Christianity is just not one religion amongst all other religions. 
We stake everything on the hill. We're going to die on that hill. That Christ was there in the beginning. He is the irradiance of God's glory. And he is the exact representation of his being. And I'm going to remind you, and I said this way early on, I hadn't said it for a while. Jesus just didn't parachute into this story in Bethlehem. He was there in the beginning. So when we talk about things that go on in our culture from lifestyles and a lot of different things, well, well, Jesus didn't say anything about that. Okay. Except I'm just going to tell you, if it said it in the Old Testament, Jesus was there. Jesus was there from the beginning. He'll be there in the end. He is the finisher. The finisher. The word says here is the, you know, some would say, NIV says the author. I love this translation saying he's the pioneer because it goes back to the machete. He is clearing new ground. Jesus has always been there. He will always be. He is the pioneer. He's the beginning. He is the alpha. He is the end. He's the omega. He is the finisher. You know, we talk about it here often in Uncommon. One of the last things we talk about in Uncommon is finishing well. I mentioned it this morning. One of the things that's awesome, not that I've told you this about my dad specifically, my mom too, but I, I remember it right after my dad. My dad taught me how to live, but one of the greatest things he ever did is taught me how to die. Taught me how to die with grace. Go from 200 pounds to 140 in about a year. Face twisted. There's a lot of things you could be doing at that point. One thing he did, he honored God to the end. And he got sweeter. That's not always the case. I get that. But what I will tell you is this. How you finish is really important. Most people don't write books on people that score a lot in the first quarter. Legends are made of what happens at the end of the game. How you finish. How you finish the race. I'm going to guess some of you are here today that are not sure the race is worth running in the sense we're talking about. You're going to run the race. That's happening. <laughs> that part's happening. That image of the great crowd, of, great crowd of witnesses. To know that the one that I serve, that endured the cross with joy, it says to us, do not, earlier we preached on a few weeks ago, do not shrink back. It says, do not grow weary. Do not lose heart. Do not grow weary in doing good. I want to encourage you today, don't give up. Get up. Don't just look at it, see through it. What are the possibilities? You don't know that that answer is not just around the corner. But for some of you, the answer may be, and for a lot, and it's been in my life too, sometimes that answer is they're going on to heaven. And now they're a witness. I don't know the answers to all that. I don't know how to go worse all in God's economy. I don't know. I'm not going to try to tell you I know how all that works. 
what I do know is, and I don't mean this in a, in a minimizing way, the alternative, I've tried it. That is hopelessness. Now, you can fill your mind with enough intellectual. But we're all still people of faith we talked about last, right, last week, right? I'm not a person of faith. You're going to say, Kurt, you're a person of faith, and I'm not. No, you are. You've based your life on something, and you followed somebody's information because you hadn't figured it all out on your own. I'll guarantee you that. You may have made yourself a god. Okay. But I'd rather listen to the advice of Scripture. To fix my eyes. To throw off those things that hinder the sin that so easily entangles and run the race marked out for me. I ask you to stand with me. Josiah and then we're going to come. We close. None of this may have made any sense. All of it may have made sense somewhere in between. And I don't even know if they're going to be able to sing with all my stuff up here now, so we'll see how that works, how they can move around. As y'all stood this morning and repeated those words on the screen, we're with you. That's what makes a body of Christ so powerful. Not just, hey, we come and preach, he's a decent preacher, like the music. What makes it go is this. It just does. Because otherwise you can listen online. Come every next Sunday. Oh, some of you do that. Okay, but let's say, let's say not that. No, just kidding. You know what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be funny in that sense. My point is just the encouragement just to look across the room and go, they're in this with me. They're trying this. That's the reason why when you see the witnesses, they're not just witnessing what you're doing. They're witnessing to what you're trying to do because they've done it already. And there's something powerful about that. And I realize distance and a lot of different things keep people from a lot of schedules. But I just want to say to you, this unity of that cloud, not only in heaven and is watching, some, somebody's asked me, I look around on Sunday morning, sometimes I kind of look up as we're worshiping, and I know it's weird, but I just think about the cloud of witnesses. What if? What if? We're going to close in a song and just let you process whatever you want to process there, but we're just so thankful for today, like today, to, to dedicate, to stand up front, to go public the Dowds and the Sullivans did today, to go public that this is the commitment I'm making. Something powerful about that public commitment. A promise made. A promise made. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Lord, it's convicting to me. I don't know if it's helped anybody else. It's an encouragement today. And I hope it's come across that way, an encouragement 
that we're not in this by ourselves, that there are steps to begin to look and drop off those things that maybe are hindering us. But Lord, not to give up, but to get up and keep moving. We love you today. Thank you for this chance to be together. Thank you, thank you. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Sing with us.